Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. in red radio i am john spooky Rhodes, and with me as always is the maniac michael j can you please not spooky um okay so i'm gonna start my little spiel here i i just i have to say this because you informed me off air that you have not eaten all day and you said that it was a choice okay well i'm gonna tell you something okay you made a choice not to eat do you know what I made a choice to do today? Do you, do you really do you want to know that choice? I'll tell you my choice. I made the choice to be a fat fucking pig today. <laughs> and and okay, so do you want to know why I chose to be a fat fucking pig today? I would love to. Okay. So, first off, we start with our Uber Eats breakfast because today my mother worked from home, so since she worked from home, we got breakfast from somewhere, and it was not Manhattan Bagel today. Today it was McDonald's. So, from McDonald's, I got a sausage McMuffin, plain, with no cheese, just the sausage and the McMuffin. Then I got a coffee with vanilla syrup, large size. Then I got a sausage biscuit with egg, no cheese, just egg. Then I got a hash brown. And I don't normally like their hash browns, but unfortunately, you can't get french fries all day long there. So I had to suffer with a hockey puck. Hash brown, as I call it. So then I ate that. And that was good. Then at about 1.30, I guess, my brother's like, I'm going to Salad Works. Do you want anything? And I rarely ever get Salad Works. And I was craving... A salad for some reason. So I gotta create your own salad with lettuce, bacon, and croutons. And I think that you get a third option in there, but really since I don't really like like pickles, olives, tomato, all that shit, or you know, I just got extra chicken, I think. So I ate that. Then um since I knew we were having, you know, kind of like a marathon recording session today. I decided to have dinner uh, before that. So my mom finished work at about 4 o'clock, so I packed up all her work stuff. And then we ended up getting Popeye's for dinner. 
So that was another Popeye's Uber. chicken is awesome. That was another Uber delivery because Uber Eats does that. And I, well, I didn't get chicken. I got the ha- the quarter pound popcorn shrimp with fries and a biscuit. And I wasn't going, and I got a sweet tea to drink because I enjoy their sweet tea. So I ate the popcorn shrimp and it was a little spicy and I was sitting there and I could feel my stomach churning and I'm like, oh, oh, and I'm like, can I continue? Really? Because I, I was really starting to feel full. I'm like, I am really fucking stuffing my gullet tonight. I think I'm just really stuffing it. So, but I keep eating. And then I get to the fries, because I can't eat the fries and the shrimp at the same time. I have to eat the shrimp and the fries. That's how that works. And then the biscuit comes after everything else is done. <laughs> so, I eat the shrimp, and then I'm like eating the fries, and I'm like eating the... And, like, I was holding the box on my lap. And I'm eating, holding the box on my lap, and I'm like, oh, oh, God, it's really just filling up my fucking stomach. I feel so bloated. I feel like such a fucking violent, disgusting pig. I can't deal with it. But I just, like, keep, and, my, and it's like I'm thinking, I, I could always just put it in the fridge and eat it later. No, if you reheat the shit, it's going to suck. So you got to just eat, you got to just fucking do it like a champion. So I, I agree fucking, there. I agree there. There are certain foods that you just have to finish. Yeah. There's no point in uh, you. You can reheat it. It just doesn't taste it's, the yeah, same. Yeah, it's not the same. So I, I fucking marathoned through that bitch. I even ate the whole fucking biscuit. But let me tell you, and you probably have never seen this movie, but when I was done, I felt like fucking John Candy in the great outdoors after he ate the old 96er. Uh, of you, course I've seen The Great Outdoors. Do you know what I'm talking about then? Yeah, that giant steak that was all gristle and, yes. yeah. Yes, that's what I felt like after I had finished the Popeyes with all that other food that I shoved down my fucking throat today. I was like, ugh. Ugh. Ugh, but I'm still holding it down. I've just been farting violently for, like, the last fucking three hours. Yeah, well, besides uh, what we've ate, let, let's actually get into it, because this episode is all about the future of Friday the 13th. And or therein Friday the 13th we have future. To, therein <laughs> we have to discuss the court case, right? Uh, so, on some we, have two guests, we have two guests coming up that we will be getting to here once we're done. Right, uh, well, actually, I, we do have to say thank, well, not, well... I mean, we have to give some credit where credit is due. Um, the the first guest that we will have on the program, um, Dave Z, did suggest to us kind of like off air during the 4K fake 4K discussion program. Right. So yes, we have uh, the two guests coming up. Yes, we do. It's okay. emotional. And. I, I, I really hope you guys enjoy those, but we're, we're going to be diving into Friday the 13th. So, Mike, we let's, let's talk just a tiny bit about Friday the 13th. Right. I mean, we all know that you hate Friday the 13th and you're a Halloween fanboy. Uh, okay, but that, that in no way, shape, or form <laughs> means that I hate Friday the 13th. See, wait, there, wait, wait. There, no, there, no, there's no. a difference. Wait. No, the, I, I'm, I'm using your logic here because you said that I hate Halloween because I'm a Friday fanboy. Right, right, right. But there's see, but there's a difference. See, you hate <laughs> Clerks, like you hate it. 
you you think that it is a horrible film, you hate it, you cannot stand it, right? I, I just don't think don't, it's good. I don't hate it. You're I just retar- you're retarded. I don't um, have much of an opinion of it. I, you're it's retarded. not a good film. No, you're retarded. Um, I whereas I don't have hatred for Friday the Thirteenth. I enjoy it. I just feel that Halloween is better. Ah, okay. Well, now that we got that out of the way, and you made sure and played to the cheap seats of our listeners that actually, you know, you got a pop out of with your whole little Kevin Smith thing. Um, (laughs) Wow. It's true. Um, let's, Let's... Let's roll the clocks back here a little bit because it came up in one of the interviews about uh, my experience with the first one. Um, but I know you also have some admiration for uh, part three. So yes. l- let's let's rewind back the clocks. You know, remove some of our pess eh, some of our pessimistic ways. Let's let's let's, let's wait. Remove some of our pessimistic. Comes the fucking king pessimist himself, fucking <laughs> saying that shit. All right, so let's just go back to when we were kids. Um, what was it that drew you to Friday the Thirteenth? Uh, well, let's see. The first horror film that I saw was Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, so obviously, right, after the, that, really, the, that that was it. That was the first. That one? was the first one. When I was, how have I never heard that when before? That's fucking crazy, dude. You know how many fucking podcasts I said that on over the course of fucking. Nine years. I don't of listen to your other shows. You fucking listen to them sometimes. Maybe. Well, <laughs> I, I've said it all over the place. When I was five years old, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time, and then that kind of like opened the door. But I did not watch the original Friday the Thirteenth first. The first Friday the Thirteenth that I remember seeing, or the first, I, the first ones, were two and three. For a long time, Friday two and three and probably four to some extent, were, like, interchangeable with me. I would rent them constantly. And then finally, we went back, and I rented uh, the first one. And I remember, because, you know, I think my dad was sick of me renting um, Friday the 13th, 2 and 3, like, interchangeably, like, each week I would rent. (laughs) One week I would rent 2, the next week I would rent 3, two, three, two, and I would alternate. And he'd be like, okay, you realize that there's other ones. You you don't, you know, just have to see. So then I got the first one because I never saw the first one. And I remember I watched that, and um, much like Halloween, you know how I told you I couldn't really look at the Myers mask or anything because it would scare me, and I couldn't watch it until, like, the last 15 minutes because Loomis was there and he was protecting me and all that bullshit. You know how I I <laughs> brought that spiel out before. Well, the same yeah, thing, I know. Yeah, the same thing goes for Friday the 13th. So, Betsy Palmer in that fucking first movie scared the shit out of me. I could barely, barely, barely watch this. You have six- and seven-year-old Michael J., and he is terrified, petrified of this woman. It got to the point where I saw her, I think later on, she was on Knott's Landing, because my mother used to watch Knott's Landing. She was on Knott's Landing for like a season, where she did like a few guest appearances, and when she was on, I couldn't even look at her, (laughs) because I was afraid that she would fucking come at me and try to kill me. 
So, yeah, I was petrified. And there are still parts to this day of the original film, and I'm I'm going to be 40 years old in, in like six months here, and there are still parts of the original film, like still scenes, shots of her, that I can't look at because she plays it so fucking deranged that she's literally crazy. Like, you know the scene when Alice is in the fucking closet? Like, right before she fucking opens up the door, she's like, and hits her with the fucking frying pan. Right, where she's right. searching through the kitchen. Right. And then you, you, she, like, chops at the door. I can't look at that, because she chops at the door. So I can watch it. She's chopping. She's, okay, she, alright, I'm watching it. She comes in, turns on the light. You see the light shine through the little cracks in the door. You hear the fucking things breaking and all that shit, and she's frantically searching around. I can do that. I can do it. You hear the, the the door handle rattles to the closet. I'm still on board. I'm still watching it. Fucking as soon as that fucking thing starts chopping at that door, my head goes the fuck down. Because I looked at that one fucking time. One fucking time in all the years that I've seen that movie. All the times that I've watched that movie. I watched when she fucking was chopping away at that door and her fucking face was revealed. She fucking has this maniacal fucking smile on her face that I cannot fucking look at to this day because she looks fucking insane. Nice, uh, nice, nice monologue there. Goddamn, Mike. Um, I, I, I say it later in the show, but Friday the 13th Part 1 was the very first one I saw. Um, well, aren't you actually, I... I, I was exposed to it uh, probably a little too young. My my sister's boyfriend rented it, and uh, uh, I was by proxy kind of exposed to it. Um, and uh, I remember um, when the body comes through the window. You mean Brenda? Yeah, uh, that scared me. Um, but. Really, the thing that sticks out in my mind is Jason. That terrified me as a kid. That stinger worked perfectly. Um, and it, it actually stuck with me for a while. I remember, you know, uh, we'd go boating. And I, I just remember sitting on the side of the boat and it popping in my head. You know, that, that scene, Jason lunging up and grabbing her. And it's just... It stuck with me. It stuck with me for a while. Um, and that actually kind of integrated itself into my my subconscious. You know, I, I would get afraid of something, and then suddenly that that primal fear that had been instilled in me by this film kind of would pop up. It's like, well, something's just going to jump up from fucking behind the couch and grab you, or whatever it was. And, and that was always there. But um, past that, really, for me... Uh, I kind of stuck with Friday because it was fun. And that's kind of the theme of the franchise is fun. And it's always kind of had... I don't want to say a goofy heart or anything like that, but it's always kept fun as part of it. Uh, it's never really been uh, mean or, you know, just malicious in any way. It, it's sure it's gory and sure it's got its kills and, and all that but it's always had fun while doing that you know 
and, and that's really why it stuck with me is is they're a fun watch and and it's always interesting to see how Jason is going to kill somebody you know and whatever circumstance he's in in whichever way he can um and i think that's kind of why i didn't really get into the others even when i was exploring and trying to watch as much horror as i could as you know uh, a tween i guess they call him now uh or a teen or whatever the fuck it, it was um you know texas chainsaw massacre at this point in time, I consider it a work of art, and I absolutely love it. But it, it was just too, um, a little too real, you know? And there was no fun to it. It was just straightforward scares. Uh, Halloween, I've always loved the first one. Uh, we've talked about that in the past. But there was something about the franchise that kind of took itself a little too serious for me back then at that age. Um... Freddy, I never got into Freddy. Uh, I, I don't know why. Except the um, shitty remake. I love that fucking film, and I'm not I'm not ashamed to to admit that. Well, well speaking of remakes, uh, I, I think the Friday the Thirteenth one is uh, it's quite polarizing, actually. And um, for the longest time, I had been a huge uh, proponent of it. I I. I'd, I remember comparing it to people shitting on my childhood memories and love. You think? Um, and I don't consider it that anymore. I actually just recently rewatched it. You're on drugs. And uh, sure, it's problematic. I I'm not saying that it's perfect. I'm not saying that it's you know up there with all the others. It's it's got its problems. But having rewatched it, I think i can trace those problems and mike you, you're you're scoffing over there so i'm assuming that you are one of the people that still are in the uh it sucks camp it's an absolute fuck well no i'm not gonna say it's an absolute shit show because it's not an absolute shit show it was great up until the friday the 13th text superimposed on the screen after that it turned into a total shit show that I no longer was interested in watching. Now, why is that? Just because, okay, we all know it was written by Damien Shannon, or Damien, whatever the fuck his name is, da- Shannon and Swift, let's just say that, it's easier. Right. Fucking, they wrote the, the masterpiece. The team behind. That was Freddy vs. Jason, yes. Right. Yeah, that was a masterpiece. That was fucking brilliant, okay? You're not going to get anything better than that. I get that. Okay, but then they come on and they do the fucking shit show that is fucking Friday the 13th, the reboot. I mean, it's just... And I, I, when, because you're, I loved it. You're not saying it. why, you're just... When I first saw it, I loved it. I went two times opening day. So what changed? When, I, when it came out on Blu-ray a few months later and I bought it and I watched it and I was like, you know, this really doesn't hold up. You know, I really think this is kind of shitty. You know, I'm going to stand by that stance just because perfect nipple placement? I don't care. That is so stupid. Stupid. And she didn't have purple, perfect purple, perfect nipple placement. Her nipples sucked. They were too big. I can't stand them. Okay, so let me point this out. 
I think the writing is actually good for this because what it <laughs> does is it tries to evolve the world. All right, evolve it, it. Okay, let me go. I let Woo-hoo! you talk. Woo-hoo! Um, it tries to evolve the world. It places it modern day. All right, so you're not shoeholed into trying to fit everything into the '80s, even though I think you'd be more successful this day and age doing that. Um, and I think it it really tries to have the same tone, the same feel of many of those films of the franchise. Mm. I think the problem was the director. Marcus, yeah, but Marcus Nispel did the brilliant Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from 2003. I agree. And here's the thing. I watched that film. Yes. And it holds up. I yeah, think that's... Of course it does. That is a great remake. It is. And then the next day I watched the Friday the 13th one. I don't think his heart was in this. This does not... I mean, you can see some of the same movements and stuff. I, I think this was a paycheck. Um, because in between, he tried to get out and do other things. And then he wasn't as successful there and ended up having to come back. It feels like a guy that wasn't really leading his directors. It feels like somebody that was just there to collect a paycheck instead of really leading this ship. Because they have all the character stereotypes, and I can go along with the setup. I just think if there was a stronger director there, kind of leading people, I I think it could work. Um, you, You complain about that scene, meh, whatever. Um, my complaint is more that it just, it doesn't feel right. It it doesn't feel like somebody that cared about it made it. It really doesn't to me. Um, I think the writing's on point though, as I I said, uh, but I, I, I do kind of understand a lot of people's complaints about the, the mines under Camp Crystal Lake. Why? Why the fuck wouldn't you set that up? Why? Why wouldn't you explain that to some degree? Something, you you know, uh, uh, Mike. The if I were stupid, that was a dumb idea. They should have never done that. Jason I'm not, does not do that. Well, I'm not really arguing that, but I understand why they did that. Um, here, here's my thing, though, Mike. If I hand you a script, mm-hmm. and you're going to direct. Friday the 13th, and there's tunnels in it. Right. Are you going to say, hey, we need to set this up some way? You know, maybe when the cop is talking to uh, Supernatural, sorry, forgot his name, doesn't matter. Uh, Jared uh, Clay in the film, or Jared uh, Padalecki in real life. So, when the sheriff is talking to Clay, I hate the film and I remembered that name. I'm bad with names. Yeah. How hard would it be for him to say, you know, people get lost around here all the time. Uh, there's tons of old abandoned mine shafts around here. We try searching them as often as we can, blah, blah, blah. You set it up very simply that way, but they don't They do not do that. Um, and, and well, because Jason designed them, so in a sense, 
they're not supposed to know about them. The thing is, it's supposed no, no, no. to be a JSON-designed system. Yes, it is. That's why, no. it's, that's why it's flawed. Yes, it is, because he designed those tunnels for his own purposes. That's that's why there were bells and shit no, down that there is, and traps. that is somebody that is coming and Jason. making do with what they have. It was the, Jason. The fact that you actually think he dug out those mines he is did. mind-boggling. Um, and it's also with the people that are just like, well, he's a pot farmer. Jesus Christ, it's a Friday the 13th film. How many of them had weed in it? This is including a trope of the franchise. All right, so this one hick is growing weed in the woods that Jason happens to live around. Jason has nothing to do with that. There's no point in a film where he's smoking or even touching the marijuana. The the fact that he's uh, used these mines so they can explain why in later entries he just popped up I get that. It could have been done better. I also like the the little bell system to alert him where people are. That's yeah, clever. And they that's could have his also bell system. He I agree it. there. Yes, but how how cool? I mean, a, a director more in charge. All right, mm-hmm. when they are fleeing and we discover his bell system. Yeah. How cool would it have been? If you could have done the typical woman in the woods that trips over nothing and actually get to see why she trips and why the killer suddenly knows where she is. She didn't trip over nothing. There's a trip line there. That's why. If you just... My God. It's in the fucking writing. Just follow through, director. But I don't feel he cared at all. And I think that's why the film suffers some. Suffers some? It sounds like it suffers a lot more than some to you. Uh, no, I overall, overall, I don't think it's a great film. Don't get me wrong. Okay, it, it's not one of the best. It's not one that I'm going to, you know, talk about left and right. It's not one that I, I'm going to even really suggest people check out to get into the franchise. But I don't think it's as flawed as I once said, or as people believe. I still had fun watching it this last time. Uh, I don't know. I'm out on that. I think. I I'm I will give it an above average rating. It is uh, three and a half stars. The last time I watched it, so Jesus Christ, you need to watch more. Uh, I watch more films than you do, Mike. Uh, well, you need to watch more films that are actually good. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think I just namely I ones by enough- Kevin Smith. Uh, there's not that many of those ones. Wow, okay. I mean, especially not in the last few years. I mean, holy shit. Oh, we gotta I go just, back. I just farted again. What was his last good one? Uh, Clerks 2? Uh, no, Tusk was really good. No, Tusk was fucking horrible. Tusk was brilliant. I cannot believe you made me watch that. Because it was a brilliant film. It still is It's brilliant. in no way a brilliant film. And fucking Tusk and Red State, holy fuck. Those were so good with such poignant messages. No. I, no. I'm not even getting into that. You're just jealous because you want, because you can't see the message that the rest of us see. That's the problem. I'm just not drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I've seen far better films. I've drank that Kool-Aid 
and I continue to drink it, and I will continue to drink it until I breathe my last breath. Well, good for you, man. But, leaving a hack behind, <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about some hacking with Friday the 13th before we get to the interviews. Um, you, you talked about your your history with him, Mike, but really, yes. if if I put a gun to your head right now and said you could only watch one, mm-hmm. which one would you pick? Uh, Friday the 13th, you mean? Yeah, one of the franchises. Sh- oh, just, just oh. one of that franchise, which one would it be? One installment from Friday the 13th. Oh, God. No, no, I, I will make it a little easier on you, okay? Okay. I'm coming over, and it's on Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a double feature. What two do you pick for us to watch? Double feature. Ooh. Yep. You, you get two. Oh, fuck. Um, three and six. Three and six. Yeah, All right. three and six. All right. I am going to go uh, two and four. Two and four. Why two and four? Why not three and four at least? Because they kind of tie together. They do actually quite nicely. Um, so I, you just I don't just... like three. No, I actually I, I do enjoy three. Uh, I actually the last Friday the Thirteenth I watched uh, part three and Jason goes to hell. Well, that's uh, that's something for you. <laughs> Uh, what the can unrated I say? version I, well, of Jason Goes to Hell? Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Well, I wanted to revisit 3 because we'd recently discussed it. Uh, I think that was even off air. Just us bullshitting. Probably. But I know you're a big fan, and I remember kind of liking it. I had it on VHS. So I, I just wanted to revisit it. And I enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Um, is it one of the best? No, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. And it's one of those ones that I remember watching as a kid on VHS and watching it time and time again. I, I, I've always had fun with that film. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about the characters in that one. And I think Jason's really good in that one, too. Just, just that whole aspect throughout the house. I really, really like that. Um, you know, what I, you know what I like? That, from, that's good. You know what I like from 3? One of my favorite parts? One of my favorite parts from 3 is when she's in the closet and she pulls the knife out of the, the Debbie's corpse. Oh, yeah. She stabs him in, like, the knee or something. He's like... Yeah, right now. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that, too. Um, uh, no, I go with uh, uh, two and four. Um, I think four is pretty understandable. Four is considered one of the best, and uh, I just... That one's a great film. Uh, two, I really like two because two... Two is kind of the missing link in here because it's it, it's got some of the feel of part one and some of the feel of the rest of the franchise, and I really like the cast of characters in it, um, and I, I really like this that take on Jason too. I, I really enjoy that. Part four. Two. Oh, two. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could see that too. I mean, it also has my favorite final girl from the franchise, so... Ginny is your favorite? I, I, yeah, I really think she is probably the best final girl from Friday the 13th. Oh, God, obviously you need to get laid. It has nothing to do with that. I'm talking yeah, about her character. Yeah, you need to get laid. 
Because anybody that likes her needs to get fucking laid. Like, <laughs> seriously fucking laid. She's fucking smart. Mm. She outsmarts him. She realizes the whole psychology behind him and... Well, that's because she was a psychology major. Right! She's still not the best final girl. I like Megan from Six. That's not a bad pick. I I mean, she... Look, she dove in that water and she saved Tommy's ass. And she almost drowned in the process. I... I can't argue with you. I mean, it's a good pick. You're goddamn right you can't. <laughs> How can Plus you argue the, with that? The, she had the uh, the Camaro and the rockin' music and oh, yes. speeding away from the cops. And Yeah, I mean, that's a good pick. And then when he's, like, looking down at her, you see that, you know, the you see from his POV looking between her legs. Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you're the one that needs to get laid. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time, according to the Sunday show. Uh, Alright, well we got our favorite final girls If we were doing a double feature uh, Let's finish it off with your Favorite kill And then just kind of what you want to see from the franchise In the future And then and then We will be back With interviews So Interviews Yes, plural yes. But Favorite kill, Mike Ah, uh, shit, there's so many, I don't even know where to start. Um, oh, fuck, what did I like? I don't know, there's a lot that I fucking, like, really, really liked from this. Uh, you, I, two come to my mind right away. I love the RV kill in part in, six. In six, yeah, where there were faces, like, in the mirror, yes! yeah. You yeah, know what? Okay, the, I'll give you. I'll give you this. The face just out through the side of the oh, RV. Okay. Love that. But... I'll give you this. I'll give you this. I have, um, and both from Jason X probably. Uh, uh, when she's in the fucking when she gets her her face frozen in the liquid nitrogen and then smashed. Everyone loves that one. And then the uh, the holograms. Uh, oh, you know. Yeah. Let's yeah. have premarital sex. <laughs> Yeah, those are probably, like, my two favorite kills that are, like, you know, high-ranking. I love those ones. My absolute favorite, though, is uh, Jason Goes to Hell with the uh, fence pole. Yeah, no, that is good. Right Debbie! Now. Debbie! Debbie! But, um, real quick, what what would you like to see the, uh, the future bring Friday? Would you like to see another sequel, a la... Halloween 2018, or would you just like to see a reboot? What would what would you like to see? Well, what I would... Okay, if they were to do a... I'll tell you two things. If they were to do a sequel, you know, like Halloween 2018 did, I would like to do a sequel that would continue with the Jarvis character and pick up that whole uh, scenario. That That's what I would like to see if they were to do a, a, a sequel. Um, also... If they were to do... I, I would be very interested to see another reinterpretation of just the original Friday the 13th. Like, okay. remake the original. And have Pamela be the killer again. I think that that would be... I think I think you know, you'd have to do a twist at this point just because, you know, it's been done and people are going to expect that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, change it up a little bit, but maybe not have Jason be the killer. Maybe have somebody else be the killer. Or maybe make it like a true Friday the 13th in a true Scream style. 
where you don't know who the killer is or something like that. Make it. Oh, that'd be such know, a cock tease. <laughs> do something like that. Maybe not have right. it be Pamela. Maybe have it be somebody completely fucking different. I gotcha. That um, nobody would ever expect. Maybe have it be Annie. Maybe have it be Brenda. Maybe have it be the jokester, Ned. Okay. I Went gotcha. a little crazy. Yeah. Um, for myself, uh I think if it was to be a sequel, I w- I would prefer if they played it a little loose, you know? Um that way you can tie it back to the original franchise, but you know, you can continuity's never been the best with this franchise. Well. So you don't have to be beholden. If you played a little loose, you know, maybe some things happened, maybe some things didn't. But if, if you reboot it, um, I, I think the way to do that would be, uh, God, that's difficult this to do now. Um, I, I think you really want to just do it as a modern day tale. Because you don't want to be stuck in the 80s. I, I think it could really sell being well, yeah, in the 80s. No, but... Keep it in the 80s, but, you know, do, you know, do it where maybe Jason, like I said, Jason's not the killer. Somebody else is the killer. Make it fresh. Make it take place in modern day. Yes, do that. Um, no, I, I would actually... Jason's too iconic. I mean, that's like doing A Nightmare on Elm Street without Freddy. Well, they could bring Jason in in the sequel like they did in the actual franchise. I No, I, I think you have to kick it off with Jason, but I, I I think you should maintain some of that mystery and uh, really play up the whole 80s aspect. You know, maybe the, the killings actually happened in the 80s. Uh, it's traumatized the town. You know, you can do... What would be really fun is the campfire tale that kicks off a flashback. And and you do it all VHS style with the, you know, crackly lines and just straight up like it was on VHS. And I think that could be really fun. You get the the background. You get some more kills that way. I I think just have fun with it like that. And I, I think it could be really interesting. So Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that could really work. But um, before we go into the interviews, uh, just recently we lost um, somebody very important to the Friday the 13th franchise. Yes. Uh, John Carl Beekler passed. And um, it's really, that that's, that's sad because I, I have got to meet him and speak with him and he, he was a very nice man. But um, just specifically talking about Friday the 13th, uh, he has one hell of an entry, and I think it is underrated. Um, and I really wish that his uncut version could be restored and the vision that he had for it be released. But I, I feel that the original material is too far gone. Well, you know what I was thinking about doing? Um, and I don't know for sure if, I, you know, if I'll do it. Maybe if, if I can you know, figure something out like an actual time to do it. I was thinking about maybe having a rabbit um, screening of the uncut version or the ultimate cut that I uh, put together. Uh, I I would be a hundred percent behind that. I, I I think that would be a nice tribute to him. Well, because that was the first Friday Seven was the first one that I saw theatrically. So, you know, um, his installment was my first theatrical experience. Uh, Six was supposed to be, 
but my brother was born and there was no babysitter around, so it had to be oh, seven. That bastard, he ruined it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would have been it would have been seven year old Michael J going to see Friday six in the theater. Instead uh. it had to be um nine year old Michael J. Actually, no, I think I was eight at the... Yeah, I was still eight at the time. Because it was May of 88. So, yeah, I was eight at the time. Eight-year-old Michael J. Going to see Friday the 13th Part 6. Uh, I mean seven, not six. Seven, there you go. Yeah. Seven. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's really too bad. But, uh, guys, stay tuned. After the break, we have an interview uh, where we talk to Shelly... Yes. From Friday the 13th, Part 3, who is now actually a very well-respected lawyer. And uh, then we talk to Mr. Miller himself, the writer of Friday the 13th. Mr. Victor Miller. They might not know who you mean by Mr. Miller. I had a neighbor that I used to call Mr. Miller. So no, this is Mr. Victor Miller, a true gentleman, um, very enjoyable. So, um... Yes. I, I think I think both guys were were very good. Yes. Um, and I, I want to just thank both of them for taking the time to talk to us two idiots. Well, more so talking to you, but uh, yeah, you can throw me in there too because I did speak somewhat. Yeah. Subscribe to the Kill the Dead podcast on Apple Podcast. Remember to show us some support and leave a comment or iTunes review. Have a project you'd like to promote? Contact us. Killthedeadpodcast at gmail.com. Larry, it's an honor to actually get to speak to you. Thank you. Well, as, as many of our listeners probably know you best for uh, actually playing Sheldon Finkelstein or 
as they probably actually know him, Shelly from Friday the 13th, Part 3. Yes, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I have to ask, how did you actually get started in uh, acting? Because I believe you actually started with that role of Shelly. Uh, Shelly was my first professional role. I had been uh, uh, basically you know, wanting to be an actor since I was, uh, a kid, and so you know, acted in junior high and high school, and taken acting classes and studied, and then uh, um, it was so. Then in uh, 1982, I was in I was a theater major in college, and um, I was uh, and I had this job on the weekends where I was handing out movie tickets. Uh, to screenings of movies, you know, we do in L.A., test screenings. And so I was in Westwood on a Saturday night handing out tickets to a movie uh, no one had heard of called The Road Warrior. And <laughs> um, uh, well, this, this was January of 1982, so no one had, it was a movie in Australia, no one had heard of it. Um, and uh, these people came up to me and said, they, they looked at me and said, are you an actor? And um you know, I thought maybe they'd seen me in, you know, Greece at uh, night school. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an actor. And, and uh, they, they said, we, well, we wrote this movie, and we think you'd be perfect for it. Um, and those were the writers, uh, Marty Katrasser and Carol Watson. And uh, they just saw me and said, yeah, that's Shelley. That fat afro, <laughs> uh, that's him. So uh, that's how I got my first professional job. <laughs> well, which is is kind of the way that everyone always hopes they get their break, right? You're just doing something, and somebody stumbles across you, and just you're perfect for this role. And you were one of the few that I've actually got the chance to speak to that that's actually the case for them. That that's impressive. I'm certainly the ugliest person that has ever happened to. <laughs> <laughs> well, Although maybe you... Michael Berryman. Maybe maybe it happened to him too. You know, I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> I'll I will have to ask him. No, <laughs> but ask I, Michael. I... But you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just being curious, what was uh, what was it actually like making Friday the Thirteenth? Uh, well, it was it was fun. I mean, I just I mean, to me, it was nothing but a good time. Here I am, I'm 18, I want to be an actor, I'm in this movie, I got a good part, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, so I'm, you know, I mean, I'm living the dream, they're paying me, they're, you know, it was scale, but scale was a lot of money for an 18 year old at the time, right. um, like a thousand, it was like a thousand bucks a week, uh, at the time, which was, you know, that, that's not bad money now, in 1982, it was a lot of money. Yeah, that's um, good money back then. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was so, uh, it was fun. They, uh, it was always different. Uh, we, it was slow though. It was, you know, so it was sort of, gee, cause it was so much slower than most movies because everything took so long because of the 3D. So it just took a long time to set up. And we, that movie took three months to film. Whereas the first movie, I think the first two movies took a month. Um, so just really everything took three times as long every time they had to set up a shot, um, which was just good. More time for me to 
uh, <laughs> to be working. So did you did you find it hard being the the goofy prankster, or did that just kind of come natural to you? It feels so natural watching the performance. Yeah, yeah. On, on the first day of filming, uh, Steve Miner, the director, he came to me and he said, "Look, Larry, I don't want you doing a character." Just be you. Just be you. And so, so everything was just sort of, you know, it, was, it wasn't like what would Shelley do. It was just what would Larry do in this situation? Because <laughs> they were. It was very similar. Look, Shelley was a, a wannabe actor. I was a wannabe actor. Shelley was a guy who wasn't doing well with the girls. Yeah, ditto. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, I could relate to all that stuff in the movie. Uh, other than getting my neck cut, uh, <laughs> it all happened to me. <laughs> Just touching upon that, I, I know in the horror community there's a lot of fans that really aren't too hot on Shelley. Uh, just kind of curious, what has kind of been your interactions with the fans? My interaction with the fans has always been great. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I go out, I do, I've done do one or two conventions a year, and everyone's always nice. I mean, I know there are people who don't like Shelley. It's a, it's like twenty percent. I find like they just hate Shelley. That's fine. I don't see anyone take it out on me. They don't hate me. They they hate Shelley. That's how say fine. I hate some characters in movies too. I don't take it personally. And you know, I actually don't get that because when we're looking at all the characters that you could hate, Shelley is probably one of the more relatable ones, and honestly, probably the entire franchise and. I, I never understood that, in all honesty. I think that's sometimes why you hate him, because he's too related. Like, it's like, oh, that's that, that's too close to home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I completely get that. And plus, if it wasn't for Shelly, though, we wouldn't have the hockey mask. Right, exactly. <laughs> After Friday the 13th Part 3, you, you kind of went on and, and did an episode of Fame. You guys are too young to remember the TV show, that, that, that first incarnation of the TV show Fame. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I was up for a recurring role, and I didn't get it, so I, so I got this little part as a, as a constellation. Uh, you you kind of shortly thereafter transitioned out of acting, correct? So I was 18 when I did the movie, and then when I was 26, I I, I went to law school, so I, I gave it a try. I was I was I was in the business for a while, but I don't think you ever really left the business because you said you went to law school. You you went from being Shelley on Friday the Thirteenth Part Three to being a very well respected entertainment lawyer. Actually, the Zerner Law Firm, and you're uh, most known for copyright, trademark, and just entertainment law all around. Right? That's right. <laughs> I became an entertainment lawyer, and uh, so and I, I represent a number of people in the entertainment industry, including. Last week's guest, Dan Ferens, uh, <laughs> is my client. So I do deals for directors and writers, and I file lawsuits for people who aren't being paid. And it's a lot of fun. And if you're listening, and you need an entertainment lawyer, or you need someone to, you got a you got a contract you need looked over, you can feel free to give me a call. Mike, I, I see we're not the only ones that do our research. Uh, I'm feeling a little outmatched right now. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's pretty good, actually. I'm surprised. Larry, you have ties back to Friday the 13th. First off, for laymen like myself that don't fully grasp the whole situation with copyright and everything, what is kind of the situation currently with the Friday the 13th franchise? Well, so there's a lawsuit that between Victor and Sean, and 
Uh, do I need to explain all about the lawsuit, or just do you want to know what the current status is? Um, well, I, I think most of our listeners have been able to follow it. For the most part, they understand that there, there's been a dispute between who actually owns the rights. So I, I, I'm just kind of curious the the current status right now, or at least your. So Victor on it. won the lawsuit, which gives him the rights to the first movie, uh, but only in the United States. So, as it currently stands, Victor owns the rights to the first movie in the United States. Sean owns the rights to all the other movies, and the first movie outside the United States. But the, the way that works is, in order, because that gives Victor the right to make, the, the exclusive right to make derivative works based on his movie in the United States, that gives him the exclusive right to make to, to Jason, even adult Jason in the United States. And so, really, they can't, no one can make a movie because you can't make a movie that just as U.S. rights or just as foreign rights, and you can't make a movie with, unless you sort of just totally change Jason, which they're not going to do. You need them both to come together and make an agreement. And so, they, they both have to come to an agreement on how to split the money going forward. But it's complicated, um, even for, for someone like me, who, you know, there's very few people who know more about copyright law and the Friday King franchise than I do. Um, <laughs> the, the idea of, of saying, okay, well, if we make a movie that's a remake or, we, you know, we take Jason, adult Jason, and we make a movie, what is Victor's share of that? And what is Sean's share of that? Or if we do a doll, right? There's, you know, lots of Jason merch, right? If we if right. Mecca makes a, a Jason doll, for it's a part seven doll. Well, again, what should Victor? What should Victor get, and what should Sean get? There is no answer to that. There's no there's no set thing. We're in, we're in really uncharted territory, and and so that's it's just very difficult. And there's a lot of money at stake, and there's also probably a lot of just bad feelings because of the. Uh, between Victor and Sean, no one's out there rushing. But, but so here, but so when after Victor won, Sean uh, he he appealed the verdict, and then last month they withdrew the appeal on a stipulation. They stipulated to withdraw the appeal. But people thought that admit there was a settlement, but uh, I've heard you know my in, from my inside knowledge there's no settlement yet. But I think they're working hard on a settlement. And I think they will announce, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that they will announce that they've made a deal. Either they've made a deal going forward or they've agreed to let a third party go forward with the right. Whether that's LeBron James or someone else, I don't know. I think that maybe in the next few weeks we'll hear that a deal was reached. You're optimistic that at this point it is going to move forward, but what you're saying is both parties need to come to a, a, a total agreement because... Basically, everything's in limbo right now because Victor owns the rights in the United States to the original, but everything else is Sean. So, wow, that that's that's a hell of a jumbled mess right there. Right, it is. Wow. With this going forward, you're just saying that they need to come to an agreement where, say, if it's a, a reboot or whatnot, they're both getting a set percentage basically right right okay i just wanted to make sure i was following because we were going into this and this is not my field of expertise this is actually why we sought someone out that it was their field of expertise and honestly who better than you a well-respected lawyer in this field that also 
was an actor in the field. I mean, it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> it's so encouraging, though, to actually hear that you're optimistic, thinking that there is a future, that they are going to come to an agreement, and the fact that you say that there's some movement. The appeal has been uh, revoked, correct? It was withdrawn. It withdrawn. was withdrawn. Um, uh, uh, they both agreed to withdraw it. I think that maybe just... That was a few weeks ago, and I think it, it's only good for 30 days. So I, I really think we'll know something in the next couple of weeks, because I think if, if they either... Sean has to either they'll come to a deal or Sean has to refile. Okay. Um, okay. For the appeal, and uh, so I, 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 and and and, that, and I and I just you know know through the grapevine that they're 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 certainly talking, and they're it's not like they're not talking. So they're they're trying to work something out. I don't okay. know more than that. Though. Well, talking about the future, I don't want to leave our discussion at this. I mean, I appreciate everything that you, you've been able to tell us, I feel that I'm doing you a disservice because, let's face facts, we talked about Friday the 13th, your experiences briefly, and then you breaking down for the simple people like myself that don't fully understand all this. You've kind of got back into acting a little bit more recently, haven't you? You know, I still love acting, and, and because I represent people in the, in the horror business and i go hey I, i'd love a part and so <laughs> I, I you know my my clients and and friends will give me little parts in their movies and and i love doing that it's uh, it's great and, and uh you know i stayed i stayed a sag member and uh, i'm happy if, if someone out there goes hey i'd love to have shelly in my movie um you know give me a call if it's a sag movie i, I can do it i'm out there and, and I, I have to say what i absolutely love is that you keep playing characters named Shelley. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We tried to do that for a little bit. Uh, I did that in um, in Nights About Astum. You ever saw it? Uh, oh, Joe Lynch course. directed it. and uh, um, But it was like, I, I think the, the character didn't, it, I was the, the, a few, it, some Ryan Quantum's boss and it was Brian Posehn, uh, a comedian who was playing one of the other the other characters, and he was he's a big Friday Thirteen fan. So he 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 just called me Shelley in the in the <laughs> thing. It wasn't in the script, and so they they made that part of it. And then sometimes, oh, and uh, in Death House, that was sort of an inside joke. Um, so yeah, sometimes I just uh, just make me Shelley again. <laughs> well, you also actually provided the voice for Friday the Thirteenth, the game, correct? Or did they just yeah. use archive? No, 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 because they had to re redo stuff. So that wanted... was all new stuff that we recorded. Uh, I went into the uh, went in and, and spent the day uh, recording new dialogue and new new effects for the video game, which was a lot of fun. Very challenging to do video game. It's a different skill, but uh, yeah, it's a, and that's a dream come true to be a video game character. I love yeah. it. Yeah, you, you brought Shelley kind of full circle. I mean, you you started your career with him, and now you're bringing him into a whole new medium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. So, are you going to continue to try and pursue different little uh, parts or bigger parts, or are you just yeah. you happy being the lawyer, and then you know whatever parts you're able to pick up? <laughs> uh, look, if, if, if <laughs> If, if I was lucky enough to make as good a living as I make as, an, as a lawyer acting, I would do that. But that's not probably not going to happen. That's, that's hard to do. Um, 
So um, for the moment, I take uh, parts when they come, and you know, uh, I, because I have my own firm, I can sort of work wherever I want. I just need a computer, and so I can take a few days and um, and go shoot a movie. Great, I, it's, it, I love doing that. So if they do come to an agreement, and there's an announcement, which I'm assuming will probably happen fairly quickly, that there's going to be a new Friday the 13th film. Are you going to try and get a part in it? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. They, you know, they didn't do any cameos the last... Right? They haven't really been doing cameos. In the, they didn't do a cameo on the reboot. No. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I'm in the cameo list, right, it's like, you know, there's whether you get Adrian or Kane Hodder, um, you know, uh, Corey, Amy Steele. Yeah, but hopefully... Uh, I'm, I'm certainly gonna gonna try, and I certainly put the word out that I want to. You're just mentioning that those people are typically the ones that uh, everyone goes for. What's your opinion of uh, 13 fanboy film? Have you heard about this? Yeah, uh, yeah. Though they 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 came to me, they asked me if I would uh, would if I would be in it. I, you know, I thought I said you know if they get it together, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not against it if it'll happen. Oh, awesome! I I wasn't even aware that there were talks with you. That that's encouraging. Awesome. Actually, in in that case, we're we're already in talks with a couple people involved. Maybe we will get the chance to speak again in promotion of that one. I, I hope so. You know, I, I it's like you know the thing is you know because I'm I'm I, I have my thing as an actor, so it's like I, it's like when the, if these things come, like they come right. So that when they start filming it, it's when they go, all right, Larry, come on. Larry, honestly, thank you so much for actually coming on, uh, giving us a little glimpse into your expertise, really just kind of helping me and I'm hoping some of our listeners grasp this a little bit better. And honestly, looking forward to getting to see you again. It's, it's always fun getting to see Shelly in some way, shape or form. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This'll keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. 
Uh, Victor, it's a, it's a real honor to have you here. I, I greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, actually, since I got you here, um, mm -hmm. I actually have a, a concept, a treatment for a, a new take on Friday the 13th. And since you're the uh, rights owner, I, I thought maybe you and I could kind of talk about that a little bit. Well, that still remains to be uh, seen as to whether I am the right... I mean, um, yes, uh, I won the lawsuit, and then they appealed, and they're still appealing, and God knows what's uh, going on. But go ahead. Uh, give me your pitch. Well, um, my idea is that we just kind of take it back to the roots. John, mm -hmm. we're, we're, uh, we're, yeah. we're recording, so if you if you keep going with this, it's going to be on air. Oh, oh uh, <clears throat> I don't like to go uh, back and edit, remember, so right, we're going right. to have issues. Victor, thank you uh, so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure entirely, sir. Uh, well, there you're wrong. I mean, to actually get to speak to you is is honestly humbling. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> call your therapist. I am I am here. Ask whatever you want, except uh, anything to do with a legal case. I'm not allowed to talk about, but otherwise, uh, feel free. Okay, so um, let's go back kind of to the beginning. Um, you actually started off with a film called uh, The Black Pearl, correct? Unfortunately, yes, uh, but uh, you have to start somewhere. <laughs> well that quickly led to um a relationship kind of with uh sean miller where sean you cunningham. did sorry yes sorry sean cunningham yeah. where you did uh manny's orphans we did um yeah before that we did um here come the tigers and then manny's orphans ah all right okay yeah. so so we did, we did um, those two films together before Friday the 13th, and we also uh, batted around uh, hundreds of other ideas uh, that didn't fly. All right, so what was kind of the process there? Um, did you guys just meet in the office and, and just see kind of what would stick, or, or how did that go about, just being curious? Well, I would. Um, we only lived about twenty minutes away, so uh, we were in each other's houses all the time. And uh, so I would uh, throw out an idea, and he'd say, "Well, try. Let's try something." And so I would uh, uh, sketch it out, and then um, he would try to sell it, and uh, it didn't work or something. And um, so that's that's the way we did until um, uh, until finally, uh, after Halloween success. Uh, uh, he said, let's get in the horror business, and so that's what we did. So, that leads us straight up to Friday the 13th, and I feel like I'm kind of a little bit on thin ice here, but I, th I think we can manage. I feel I'm a little safe. <laughs> so, you guys got into the horror business with Friday the 13th, and kind of your take on the kids left alone in the woods. Mm -hmm. And really, what was your inspiration behind that? Because so many people just tie it back to Halloween and its success, but you set up so many tropes, and really, with your take on Friday the 13th, kick-started the whole slasher craze of the 80s. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's a it's a mixed bag. I mean, I know that John Carpenter is not happy with me, um, <laughs> and, uh, but um, I I learned as much as I could from uh, from Halloween. It was a beautifully constructed film, and uh, uh, so I I basically saw what um, the the structure needed to be because up to that point we'd done nothing but uh, little family films, and uh, so. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, psychiatrically, um, it was exactly where I needed to be. That um, horror was much more fun for me than, uh, and it really sprang my imagination loose uh, than uh, how to have a bunch of little teenagers running around loose and and everybody saying, "Oh, that's fun." Um, and uh, it turns out that um, I worked out in retrospect. I mean, God, what what have I got here? Um, how many years? Eight, nineteen eighty. twenty, and you add that to uh, whatever this is. It got almost forty years worth of this thing, and uh, so um, it basically opened up all kinds of uh, of uh, things in my psych- psychological attic, um, and so it was um, Halloween. Certainly gave me the idea of uh, you know the structure and stuff like that, uh, but the rest came out of my own terrible childhood. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing, I never went to summer camp because I was scared to death. Um, it just seemed in and of itself a terrible thing to do. My brother went to summer camp, and uh, and I said, I'm not going to do that. And uh, <laughs> so um, it just, um, one thing led to another. And, of course, um, the whole theme of the movie was uh, was spelled out to me by a shrink. Um, who said many years later, uh, and I've, I've said this before in other interviews, that uh, she said to me, uh, I don't believe you don't know why uh, you made the uh, the villain a mother. Uh, and I said, uh, what? Um, I just I wanted the, the villain to be a mother because it was different from uh, all the other villains I'd seen. And, and she said, no, um, this is the mother you wish you'd had um, because... She would fight and kill people uh, to protect her son. A little late, obviously, but um, the the thing was that your mother would have sold you down the river um, and paid no attention. Said, you know, as I've said before, if I had drowned in the in the lake, my mother would have said, "I told you not to have a tuna fish sandwich before you went swimming." Um, <laughs> you you only have yourself to blame, and so. Um, Quite out of, uh, out of my own psychiatry, um, Mrs. Voorhees emerged, and uh, thank God for Betsy Palmer, because she was uh, absolutely the, the queen of the whole thing. And so, um, you know, one thing fell out of another, and um, it was all about terror. And, of course, I have since uh, got a much better idea about why terror and horror movies are really good for people, uh, because without horror movies... Um, we wouldn't know what good is. Um, and so the, the, the horror of horror movies is a, is a lesson for everyone to, to not do. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful way of sort of um, uh, experiencing the terrors of real awful behavior. Um, and, exp- and, you know, because um, there was kind of a, a psychosexual delight in seeing uh, Kevin Bacon get a hunting arrow through his chest after making love. Um, so the whole the whole thing is is fraught with these. Uh, you said tropes. But I don't know what one is actually, but um, 
uh, it is this sense, this puritanical sense that somehow uh, teenagers should not screw around, and if they do, they should be killed. Um, and that is kind of the way I was raised. I mean, when my father and mother told me uh, about the birds and bees, the, the only thing my father said in the conversation was, uh, don't knock anybody up or they'll sue us for everything we've got. Um, <laughs> And so I was, I was already uh, off and running in the wrong direction. So, uh, so Friday the 13th was really a, a wonderfully, uh, uh, I don't know, what a salubrious kind of uh, thing for me to, to get all that crap out, even though I didn't know what I was getting out. Well, I, I really have to go back and give you credit for Friday the 13th, because everyone credits Halloween, and I'm not disparaging or taking anything away from Halloween, but... Me either, the, me either. I mean, I, right. if if I had not seen what uh, Deborah Hill and uh, John Carpenter did, um, I wouldn't have had a clue, because um, I'm a scaredy cat. I don't go to horror movies. <laughs> well, well, something that you did was you took kind of two formulas, in, in my opinion, and you can totally tell me if I'm wholly off the mark here, but you, you almost took the, the Agatha Christie murder mystery and you mixed it in with this slasher, so you have the built-in mystery and you have characters developed well enough that they're completely understandable and believable. I mean, you can even see that Mrs. Voorhees, in a completely different movie, she is the hero. In her mind, she's the hero. Right. Oh, and yeah. It's so well thought out. Well, it, um, I don't know about thinking out. Um, <laughs> all I knew is that uh, uh, we were having a hard time uh, making our, uh, our rent on the house we were in. Um, and so, um, you know, it just, it's it was one of those magical things for me because uh, I loved doing it. It was great fun to, to pretend I was a badass and not a scaredy cat. Well, I, I think you did a hell of a job. Um, Thank you. Just, just being curious, uh, how closely did they actually follow the script or their daily changes or anything like that? Because one of the things I absolutely love about it is you can actually watch the film and track Pamela throughout the camp and, and really follow yeah. her course. So I was just kind of yeah. curious, was that the magic of editing or did they actually just follow your script closely enough that it came through? It um, it was all in the script, um, and what I had to do um, to to save money because we we didn't have a budget that you could uh, you know call your own, and so I knew that I needed to foreshadow what was going on. I mean, I did I did get a, a bachelor's in English from Yale and a, a MF or an MA from Tulane in theater, so I knew about foreshadowing. So. Um, but I knew that we couldn't afford to have Betsy Palmer there for more than a week or whatever it was. And so um, basically I cheated and had that hand, which was certainly not Betsy Palmer's hand. Um, if, you, if you go back and look at it, you say, my God, she, she's pretty butch. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I laid in all of the, the, the things for that there was this uh, malevolent force somewhere out there, and uh, we didn't know quite what it was. And then... Uh, um, you know, you had the uh, the cheating where uh, the poor old uh, Alice or whatever her name was uh, gets picked.
then you never get to see who the killer is. Uh, so, yeah, all of that was uh, was a, a way of uh, dealing with uh, the fact that we were working on a limited budget, but also that you have to have foreshadowing. You have to have uh, uh, at least a mystery for people to follow. Right, right, right. Um, and, and that's that's not only is that one of the key elements of that film, but that was also something that carried on throughout the 80s where we'd see the mystery killer and slasher films time and time again. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, um, everybody's, what was it? Uh, I took a class in the theory of, philosophy of art at Yale with the, the late Henri Pair, the professor. Um, and um, he was always talking about uh, things like um, epigonai, which is Greek for follower. He said, you know, in every uh, great work of art, there are epigonai, there are followers who, who take something that is uh, pr- presented and then takes it in a different direction and, and expands on it or whatever, and I, I guess that's what I did. And then people did that on me. Well, it's actually, then I got it's nothing. A, you, a no- <laughs> yeah, it's a noble, it's a noble uh, tradition that... Uh, you know, you can only have so many um, original ideas. And um, so, at any rate, uh, Friday the 13th uh, came out of a subconscious in in me, and um, and it was uh, great fun, and I loved it. And it, uh, um, and it also gave me a reputation, finally. Not, not always one I wanted, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was great. Well... Before we move on from Friday the 13th, I have to ask. Um, it, it's been discussed greatly that Tom Savini actually wants to take credit for the very end jump scare of, of mm-hmm. the boy Jason coming out of the lake. Is that true, or was that you? Everybody wants to take credit for that. Um, <laughs> but, um, in fact, as I remember it, and I've said this before. Uh, Sean called me up one day and said, "We need a we need a chair jumper at the end of the movie." And I said, "You mean like Jason coming out of the water?" And he said, "Yeah." Um, now um, I don't know what the great minds think alike, uh, but that's that's the way I remember it. And um, so um, you know that we needed a chair jumper at the end. It was not in the uh, in the first draft, and so uh, there there it is. And it's uh, it's a wonderful ending. So. Um, and I wrote it in the script. Uh, I sent the pages over to Sean. Okay, all right. So, now, just to settle some rumors out there amongst fans, Mm -hmm. that last little jump scare stinger, that is, of course, a delusion, a dream sequence, correct? That is not meant to be reality. That is not actually the the zombified body of Jason leaping from the lake, is it? You want to go back to see Carrie for for uh, uh, my uh, inspiration, right? Um, and Carrie is, is walking in the graveyard, and the hand comes out of the grave, scares the bejesus out of you, and then you cut right to the little girl in the hospital bed. Um, I I steal from the best. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, how how much credit can anybody take for anything these days? Um, it's just a, a, a happy accident that Sean and I got together, and, and this thing happened. Um, and it's, you know, um, 
this is the way stuff happens. Um, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, you, you and Sean both played a pivotal role in the evolution of the horror genre with that film. Uh, just kind of looking back, how do you, how do you feel about that? Well, surprised for one thing, because, um, uh, at the time, um, we were facing all kinds of bankruptcy in my house and, um, I would have been happy, you know, because we did those two uh, kid movies, and they made almost nothing, but they paid for the rent every once in a while. And I thought this was, you know, but they went into the drive-in circuit and didn't do all that well. Um, and then I thought, well, this is going to be the same as the others. And so, um, no, I had I had no dreams that this would be a, uh, a milestone in the in the history of horror, and that's probably all to the good. Because um, I wasn't um, I wasn't conscious of um, how to build for the future. I was only uh, just trying to scare the shit out of myself. <laughs> so, you, with you saying you weren't trying to build to the future, I then have to ask: What is your thoughts on the franchise going on past part one? Um, well, I mean. I'm, um, I'm certainly happy that uh, it had a life of its own. I mean, I wish I had been invited to participate in it, but uh, uh, that was not to be. And uh, such is the uh, is the story of Hollywood. Uh, now, I, I I do absolutely have to ask: Is it true that you actually haven't seen any of the other Friday the Thirteenth films? I saw one. Um, okay. I think it was number. I, uh, some guys wanted to interview me. But they wanted to interview me having seen one of the films, and so they sent me a copy, and I saw it. I forgot which number it was, um, <laughs> and um, and it was you know it was fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. Okay, but it but it was it's a little tricky, you know. I had um, I after Friday the Thirteenth before it opened, uh, I was writing uh, oh god uh, corporate videos for some company that was. Uh, Actually, it's before videos. They were doing slideshows in those days. Um, and so I was uh, just trying to keep up my, um, my, my bank account. I tried to, at one point, because I had had hepatitis, the, the kind you get when you eat bad clams um, as a kid. And so um, this uh, company in Bridgeport, Connecticut, was uh, doing research on antibodies. And so they said if, if I came in um, and gave them... Uh, a sample of my blood, and if I had enough antibodies, they'd give me $25. Um, so I went there, and I didn't have enough antibodies. Um, so that's that was me at, uh, at the edge of Friday the 13th opening. Wow. That's where I was at, yeah. so And then um, after that, uh, Columbia Pictures picked me up, and uh, Hollywood likes to make deals, not movies, so <laughs> they, paid me, they paid me a shit ton of money, and they, uh, I wrote a screenplay called Asylum, not not the one that subsequently came out. It had nothing to do with my movie. And then they just put it in turnaround. Um, so it's somewhere sitting in, in the files of Columbia Pictures. Um, and then after that, uh, I worked on uh, A Stranger is Watching for Sean. Um, and uh, and that was okay, but that movie didn't make any money. And then um, uh, this uh, guy asked me if I was interested in writing soap opera, and I said, I don't know, I've never seen one. <laughs> um, so I went. I went and interviewed with the head of daytime at uh, ABC, 
and we had a lovely time up in the, those were in the days when the corporate uh, hierarchy was huge, and they had, oh, God, they had a cafeteria upstairs for executives, and uh, so I got absolutely uh, drunk uh, at lunch and and enjoyed the, the chat with the ladies, and they hired me at $1,500 a week. I was not about to turn that down, because we're talking like 1981, 82, uh, that was some serious cash. Yeah, that's a nice chunk of change. <laughs> I know, and then 25 years later, I was finished. Mm. So, that, um, it all, you know, it all, everything works out however it's supposed to be. I mean, looking back, I never could have uh, charted out this course. I had no <laughs> clue as to anything that was going on. Well, you, you say 25 years later, you were done. Um, that's probably true with the uh, soap operas. Sorry, I'm not the right. biggest fan of that material. I can't nor, really nor speak was much I, to nor it. Nor was I. <laughs> I wasn't the biggest fan either, but uh, I, I gotta tell you, I did not enjoy uh, any of the other projects as much as I enjoyed uh, those 25 years. I mean, there was a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff going on, and, and the, the networks kept interfering with stuff and making life hard. But it was a kind of writing that was much more my style, which is uh, improvisational theater, because you got five people sitting around a table coming up with an hour's worth of entertainment um, for uh, one of five for that week. And it was great fun because, um, you know, you'd, you'd throw out an idea and I'd say, oh, shit, that sucks. And then, but how about if we do this? And then somebody else says, oh, yeah, and then we can do that. It was really... Um, like the good old days when you're a teenager and says, uh, you know, let's uh, put on a, uh, a play in Uncle's Barn. Because um, you're just constantly saying, what are we? What the hell are we going to do with Tad Nelson now, or whatever his name was. Um, you know, so it was, it was great fun to do, uh, depending on who the boss was. <laughs> now, with you saying that, I'm assuming that the boss would sometimes have uh, uh, quite a few notes for you guys. Right. Uh, yes, that was God. Every Monday, uh, you'd have to go there and <laughs> and, and eat shit, basically. But um, it de- it depended because with uh, the, my most fun, I mean, I got three Emmys. Yeah, I got three Emmys, and they were all at all my children. I mean, I was uh, I was hired, I was fired, I went over to other shows, I came back to all my children, um, and all my children was fun because it. Um, uh, Agnes Nixon was great fun, and she allowed us to, to do a lot of silly, crazy things. Uh, whereas Procter & Gamble's shows that I worked on, um, they were scared to death of insulting uh, the minds of some woman who was about to buy a diaper or some uh, ivory snow or whatever it was. Um, so they were they were just no fun. It was just too bourgeois for words. Got you, got you. So <laughs> from from there... Uh, I, I just want to touch upon um, a film that you had a helping hand in. And it, I, I want to touch upon it because it's a friend of the show and a friend of, well, ours personally. Uh, mm-hmm. The film is Nobody Gets Out Alive. And mm-hmm. uh, do you actually remember that one, Victor? Not right off the top of my head, but then um, I have a hard time remembering anything. Uh, you can ask my wife, but she and I both have trouble remembering stuff well who did that and and what was it uh, what's its uh, log line <laughs> um it was actually by uh jason uh meyer okay. and 
it's about a group of college kids. They, you know, typical slasher film. They they go away for the weekend, and they end up running across uh, the deranged killer, which in this case is the uh, father of a slain child by uh, drunk college kids. <laughs> I love it. I, I just I go back to. That that thing. This is a a rather recent uh, piece of education that I got, which is that uh, the the great the and I mentioned it earlier in our chat here um, that if you didn't have horror movies, um, it, being good would be a lot uh, harder to do. Um, but horror tells us, you know, um, yes, you may have these thoughts, but look what happens to people who do them. Um, you know, you might want to kill your second grade teacher, um, but look how bad it all ends up. And so I think they're, they're really great uh, morality shows. Uh, you know, they're, they're actually uh, kind of sexual violence, but um, it, it is the, the only defense for horror that I can think of is that it tells you what not to do. And that's beautifully said, honestly. And, <laughs> I, and, and and this time in our, our society right now, I, I think that's so poignant, too, because there are social media apps that are trying to block or, or really censor anything horror-related because they're viewing it that people that are fans of this are mm-hmm. um, emotionally unstable and right. more prone to hurt themselves and in need of help, where... I don't believe that's the case, and none of the people that I've come in contact with with this genre for, God, years now, I've never really run across that. Sure, everyone has their own issues, but I don't think it's prevalent just because of the genre. No, I think, my God, um, when I I was a kid, and um, the only kind of comic books when I was uh, like six or seven years old, I'd go to the drugstore and, and pick up, I was allowed to buy like two comics. Um, and all we had was things like Little Lulu and uh, Henry and um, these kind of cutesy things. And then when I got to be about 9, 10, 11, whatever, the horror genre of comic books came in, um, and they blamed uh, killings on them, too. Um, they, they kept having these these towns townships would have these meetings of the parents. We can't let them sell these kinds of comic books, you know, with the destroyer and the thing and the and the crypt, uh, the killer that came from the dead, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they were trying to say, no, this is going to ruin our children. Um, well, it, <laughs> I don't know whether it ruined their children, but it spawned all kinds of other things. Right. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't take credit for, uh, for anything awful. In fact, uh, a lot of people have sent me over the years um, uh, the question, was I aware that there was a, a real camp where uh, a girl was really killed many years ago? And I said, no, I wasn't. Um, and it was all before my time. So maybe I got that idea from that. I, I never heard of it before. But um, it, the, the people are going to be sick no matter what. And um, right. uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. I mean, I'm, I, <laughs> I was doing a, a horror convention in San Antonio and this wonderfully uh, smiley woman came by with about three or four kids um, in ranging in ages from seven to probably 12. And she said, well, my kids have seen all the Friday the 13th. 
<laughs> I said, Madam, I'm calling Child Protective Services right now. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, it's just, it's just horribly inappropriate, but they, they all seemed to, they were giggling and laughing and saying, oh, this is fun, you know. Um, so evidently, it depends on who's watching the movie uh, as to whether they're going to be uh, bent. I, I completely agree. Um, I grew up in the 80s with an older sister, and I was exposed to, well, actually, your film was one of the very first ones I can remember seeing, Friday right. the 13th. And I don't think it's had a negative effect on me. If anything, it's allowed me to, my love of the genre has really allowed me to kind of uh, expose myself to these fears and whatnot yep. that every person has, and, right. and I confront them. Instead of running and hiding or anything, it allows me to confront them. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, that was also the fun of running soap opera for 25 years. Because, um, I mean, I have been diagnosed as hypervigilant, uh, which means uh, that's technical talk for Frady Cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we'd be sitting around the table and saying, now, what, what horrible things can we do to Asa Ace, Ace Buchanan? And I would say, oh, well, he can have a DUI. Look, oh, wait a minute. And then he's got a, uh, a dead hooker in the back of his car. And... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they 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 would tone me down a little bit, but I was never at a loss of horrible things to happen to people, and um, in many ways that was great, quite therapeutic for me. Uh, got all uh, the evil out on the page, and uh, and three Emmys. And I, it's therapeutic, whether writing or watching, and I I completely yeah. agree. And and right. um, really, before I let you go, I want to talk about. Yeah the future um i know you have an upcoming film uh that you helped write or did write uh yep. rock paper dead uh yes. can you tell rock us paper about dead. This? i wrote i wrote rock paper dead with a friend of mine i've been um i've been doing since i retired in 05 or whatever it was um i have been writing screenplays with people on skype uh, and okay. it's great fun. It, it was like the uh, the days in the soap opera business because uh, it's really lonely sitting around just thinking of ways to kill people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it's just much more fun. And so uh, we would come up with a, a through line and then say, all right, um, I'll take her into the hospital and then you fuck with her uh, for the next 10 pages and I'll do the thing where she uh, flies out the window or, you know, and... And it was great fun, and we just did it back and forth. And I also uh, wrote, um, let's see, so that's the way I wrote uh, Rock, Paper, Dead with Carrie Fleming, um, who's a guy I met years ago. Um, and um, the distributor is changing its title, I think, to Rock, Paper, uh, uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors. It's scary as hell. Um, I also wrote a couple other things with Carrie, and um, uh, he's been trying to shop those around. And then... Uh, I've written, um, I wrote a, um, a really fun uh, combination of, uh, oh, God, uh, the Marx Brothers and, um, oh, God, what was the movie with the where the end of the world was in? Um, the comedy um, with uh, Peter Sellers and all those guys. Um, did I tell you my memory shot? But anyway... Um, and it was, it's a big spoof of the end of the world, and it was great fun, and uh, Peter Fonda and I wrote that together. And then um, then I wrote a, um, 
uh, an animated thing that Peter wants to produce, but uh, right now nobody's doing anything while Donald Trump is in the White House. So um, it's it's tricky. You can't you can't do parody uh, in this age, according to the New York Times. <laughs> so um, now I would be lynched in the streets if I didn't ask about the future of Friday the 13th. Now, skating around the lawsuit, I know that right. the appeal has been withdrawn. Um, yeah. Can we expect any announcement coming up around an agreement, or um, should we be hopeful for a future film? I would, I'm, I'm going to be hopeful. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether, I don't know whether it's uh, foolish, but uh, I'm hopeful. Um, and, um, you know, I I have no idea. Uh, I rarely talk to my attorney, uh, and uh, and that's just fine by me and by him. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, whatever uh, case arise, arise the is a uh, long line on this one. Um, I have no clue, uh, but I I think people would be crazy uh, to kill the the uh, the, the franchise uh, right now, but. Hey, you never know. Right, right. Now, with with the the market being hot, with Halloween just striking, the fortieth anniversary coming up. I mean, Jason is in the zeitgeist right now, and he has yep. been for a long time. It it would be right. a real shame not to get more. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm I'm uh, I am. You know, I had to go through that uh, shitstorm with uh, all these people blaming me for ruining the, the uh, Friday the Thirteenth gaming world. When uh, I I didn't do a thing about that. I was just looking from the the rights back to number one, uh, and so you know, uh, I I can't think that the people who are involved in all of this uh, are going to uh, kill the the beast. Um, that would be uh, silly, but it's not up to me. Right, and I completely get that. Um, Victor, it's it's been an honor, uh, oh, and I mean you. that with all my heart. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak to us. Yeah, you guys are fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you honestly. so much, Victor. You're one of my favorite guests right now. Well. <laughs> Well, then let's do it again. Definitely. Thanks, Whenever pal. you're game. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, bye.
That was horrible. 